Happy 4th of July from the Men at the Movies podcast. What better movie to kick off the week than Superman, a person who stands for truth, justice, and the American way? Sarah and I dig into the parallels we find between Kalel's and Jesus' story. Their most significant similarity was that they received their identity from their father. When we follow their example and seek out the father in our own fortress of solitude, we have the freedom to ask our questions and find our purpose. Join us as we discover God's truth in this movie. The movies and stories we love are gateways to see ourselves and God in new ways. Every great story borrows its power from a larger story, the story that's written on our hearts and woven into the fabric of our very being. Welcome to the Men at the Movies podcast. We hope uh, we're kicking this off for the 4th of July weekend. So everybody have a fa- uh, have a safe and happy holiday celebration. We thought, what better way to celebrate the 4th of July than talking about Superman, who stands for truth, justice, and the American way. And Sarah, you're going, I, I've got Sarah joining me, and, and we're going deep into the archives because normally you're hitting movies between 81 and 86. So is this, are you going to be okay? This is a little bit outside your comfort zone. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I definitely probably saw this movie within that time frame because, I mean. The 81 to 86? Yeah, because I'm, I mean, it was one of those movies that I don't have any memory, like, not knowing about. So I definitely was young when I saw it. I mean, I was four when it came out, so I probably didn't see it in the theater. But I definitely remember watching it on TV. This movie just, like, changed everything for, like, action, you know, superhero, you know, comic book characters. This was the first successful comic book movie. And obviously after that, you know, you started again, you had Batman and you know, then Spider-Man. And then as we kind of hit the millennium, you got, you know, the X-Men and it kind of just exploded from there. But this was the first one that was really successful and that did really well. And it wasn't cheesy and it was very quality made. Um, but I mean, it's just had, it's just had so much effect on the Superman like universe. I, I feel, you know, since then, cause I was never a big person that got into comic books, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I wasn't into Superman comic books. I wasn't into comic books in general. What got me into Superman was this movie, you know, and, and that's why Superman is probably my favorite DC superhero. And, you know, I, I love what Christopher Reeve did with the role. I mean, he just owned it so well i mean i always say people are always like oh come on seriously look at like henry cavill look at what other actors have done with it i'm like dude this man stands up in front of you in tights okay this is before you had the cool superman outfits he's in front of you in in tights (laughs) and a cape and he says i'm here to fight for truth justice and the american way and you believe him you know, like, like he sells it, you know, he just sells it. And um, it's just, you know, Christopher Reeve was just an amazing actor. He was an amazing actor. And it was, you know, it was tragic what happened to him. But I so admire that he didn't let it keep him down. 
from all accounts, you know, everything that I've heard and read, he seemed like a really, you know, decent guy in real life. So yeah, I just, I just love it. I mean, everything about this movie, I, I don't know, I'll probably get slapped upside the head for this, but I really feel like this is an example of a perfect movie because it's got something for everybody. It's got drama, it's got romance, it's got action, it's got tragedy, it's got comedy, it's got something for everybody. You know, it's got sci-fi, it's got, you know, like small town stuff, it's got big city stuff. And um, the, the soundtrack is incredible. I mean, John Williams is just the master, you know, like period. Right. He's just, he just is. I want to hit that a little bit because obviously, like you said, we have John Williams doing the soundtrack, but we had Mario Puzo doing the screenplay yeah. who wrote the story. Yeah. And yeah. if that name's familiar, it should, because he did the Godfather. Yep. So, you, so we've got John Williams, we've got Mario Puzo, we, you've got Richard Donner directing. Yep. You've got Classic. an all-star cast. Gene Hackman. Yes! Obviously, Christopher <laughs> Reeves. Marlon Brando. I had completely forgotten Marlon uh-huh. Brando was in this movie. Yeah. And for a rather significant time, even General Zod's in the movie, which I had forgotten about. Yeah. <laughs> As like this throwaway scene of, okay, that's kind of weird. It'll make more sense when you watch Superman 2. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard for me to differentiate one from the other. Sort of like Rocky 1 and Rocky 2, they've blended in my brain as one movie. Superman and Superman 2 were like one one movie in my memory. Which I think is the mark of, you know, like a great movie too. If like it blends really well with its sequel, then I think that that's great because I think that's what sequels are supposed to do. They're supposed to continue on the story. What is it about this movie? Like you said, you it was a it was a perfect movie. So why is this a perfect movie and why why does it resonate so much for you? Because uh, for so many reasons. I mean, the soundtrack is just, it's just incredibly epic. I mean, you go anywhere in the world and you could start playing that and people would recognize it immediately. It's like, oh, it's from Superman. You know, it's like they use cues of it in, in, in TV shows, you know, in Smallville and, you know, like uh, other... Uh, I don't think they did, well I know I don't think they did in Man of Steel at least not that I remember but they've used cues of it and even if it's just like a light little you know thing in the background you're like oh yeah that's from Superman you know it it really attached itself to the character in a way that that has just made it span you know the decades you know like you it just immediately makes you think of of Superman and I I love right. that so it's so so well done um you know, Richard Donner, I, I think he's just, he's not like an epically amazing director, but he was a really good director. He made some really great movies. I mean, Goonies, Lady Hawk, you know, Lethal Weapon, you know, this movie, you know, like he did some great stuff, you know, and um, I love that he had such a heart to make 
a quality movie because the producers were trying to get him to make a campy, you know, kind of goofy movie, kind of like the Batman series that yeah. came out in the 60s and stuff. And he's like, no, he's Bang, like, Bang, pow, yeah, zap, you know. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. He's like, no, we need to have he called it verisimilitude, which is the appearance of being real. He's like, Superman is an American icon and we need to to take this seriously because this guy has been around for decades and we don't, we want to give him, we want to give the American people a hero, you know, somebody that they can look up to. Because when this movie came out, you know, it's like the Vietnam War had just gotten over and there was a lot of just, you know, like, I don't want to say despair, but, you know, there was a lot of like, I guess kind of hopelessness in general, you know, it's like, where are we going as a society and, you know, and stuff like that. Um, so to give this people an American icon, something, you know, we're talking about July the 4th, you know, something that they can take pride in, you know, as a country, as a, you know, somebody that's um, representing everything that's good about America, you know, pride in, in truth and justice and the American way, you know, <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. It's great. But yeah, so so Richard Donner did a great job really making a quality film, you know, showing the people that, you know, that a man could fly. That was the tagline for the movie. You'll believe a man could fly. And he put in so much time and so much effort creating special effects that had never been used before. And you know, all to to make it look very natural, you know, like Christopher Reeve just stepping off a building and flying, you know, and just taking off into the air. And, you know, and, and it just, it, it shows that on film, you know, it's like, you don't see the wires, you don't see any of that. It all looks real. It all looks natural. And I, I love that they did that. And, uh, you know, like, I think the cast is amazing. I think Christopher Reeve is incredible in this role. I mean, he was just getting started at this point. He didn't have a whole lot of, um, you know, credits to his name. I think he'd just done a few soap operas and stuff. And, um, you know, he, so he, he wasn't a big name. Might have, was it before or after Alan Arnold favorite somewhere in time? Uh, it was before <laughs> that came out in 1980. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, it came out in 1980. I can't believe you had that date for that right on the tip of your tongue. Somewhere in time, 1980. It's what I it's what I do. I watch movies and I know things. <laughs> Encyclopedic yeah. memory for movies from this era. It's so funny. You know, we were talking about Rocky earlier. Did you know that Sylvester Stallone wanted to play Superman so bad? Like he was like lobbying the studio. To play Superman. Can you imagine? <laughs> nope. That would have been so... Yo, Lois. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they actually... Yeah, for truth, justice, <laughs> the American way. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. I can't... I can't even... I can't even picture that. It, it sounds like like a sketch that Saturday Night Live would do if he was hosting or something. Oh, that would be awesome. I know, right? That would be awesome. <laughs> but yeah, so he, I, I guess they, they actually turned him down because they said he was too Italian. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but Christopher Reeve was just 
perfect for this role. He was just perfect. And he did it so well because he took the role seriously. You know, like he, he knew that he was, you know, bringing to life this role that people had been looking up to, you know, forever. And he wanted to, Mm -hmm. to, you know, really bring that to life. And I think he did, Um, you know, so great cast great story you know like i mean it took a few people mario puzo started it and then they had a few other people come in and do some cleanup work on it but again great story um one of the documentaries i was watching is they were explaining how superman is really three different movies that they've Mm -hmm. put together you know so like the first part of it you're in krypton and everything is very formal and almost like shakespearean and you know, kind of sci-fi and, you know, it's all very beautiful and futuristic and stuff. And then it switches and you go to Smallville and everything is like a Frank Capper movie. You know, they, they used, um, uh, Norman Rockwell paintings and Andrew Wyeth Mm. paintings to take inspiration from. And, you know, it, it shows there's a couple of shots that look exactly like, like some of those prints. It's just, and the music for that part changes, you know, the music changes for that. Yep. It almost sounds kind of like the stuff from Hoosiers a little bit, you know, like that very small town, you know, it's beautiful. And then you go to Metropolis and it switches again, you know, and you're in bustling downtown big city and there's a lot happening in the background and there's more jokes and comedy and their colors are bigger. And, you know, it's just, it's wonderful the way that they wove all those things together. I'm just like in awe of it. It's so great. Um, So yeah, great cast, great soundtrack, great special effects, you know, great story, great things all it's just it's just a wonderful package i just i love it i love it so much so the theme of this movie of superman what would you say is sort of the the theme that catches your heart that inspires you that motivates you that gives you hope well i probably have to to quote you know jonathan kent and say that we're here for a reason you know and Whatever that reason is, you know, sometimes we don't know the reason until much, much later. But yeah, we're here for a reason. And, you know, God or <laughs> Jorel sent us to Earth, you know, created us for that reason. And, you know, it's it's an adventure trying to discover what that is along the way. Even if you look up Superman 1978 on Wikipedia you'll see parts in there talking about how biblically based this movie is. Mm-hmm. So the movie starts in, in, in the sci-fi section. You said the sci-fi world. We see first the council of giant heads sending, condemning Zod. And because Jarrell cast the last vote, Zod vowed vengeance on him and gets sent off in a playing card for the rest of uh, the movie. <laughs> We'll see him again in Superman 2. And and then he gets ridiculed. As you know, Krypton's going to fall apart. And <laughs> Jarrell, played by Marlon Brando, who's very not Godfather sounding in this, uh, he has this conversation. And again, we, we, we connect back to that idea that there's these biblical themes and, and overtones. And they were put in there with some intentionality from the little bit of, of Googling and Wikipedia reading that I do, there is, there is some, some biblical concepts. Kalel is going to be sent off. The mother is worried as mothers do. 
the father says this is the best place for him. And before he sends him off in his little capsule of education and learning, he gives him a blessing. But just imagine a father's heart sending off his only son to a world that needs him. You will travel far, my little Kalau. But we will never leave you, even in the face of our death. The richness of our lives shall be yours. All that I have, all that I've learned, everything I feel, all this and more, I... I bequeath you, my son. You will carry me inside you all the days of your life. You will make my strength your own. See my life through your eyes as your life will be seen through mine. The son becomes the father and the father the, the son. You know, Jarrell, he was a respected man. You know, he was a member of the High Council. He was a, a scientist of great renown. You know, so he, he had a lot of prestige. And he'd basically been, you know, like slapped in the face because he had this knowledge that the planet was going to explode. And he was trying to help people like like really hard, you know, like he presented them with all of this evidence and all of this research that he'd done. And they basically were like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> you know, we're just, we're choosing to believe, you know, these other people because they're telling us the planet's not going to explode, that it's just shifting its orbit. And that's what we'd prefer to hear. So you just need to shut up. And it wasn't even the fact that they were telling him that we don't believe you and you need to be quiet. It's they weren't letting him tell anybody else. They weren't letting him warn anybody. They weren't letting him save anybody, not even himself or his family. You know, like they basically threatened to throw him in the same prison that they just threw General Zod, who was like, like a, 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 a genocidal maniac, you know, they're like, we're going to throw you in the same, you know, phantom zone cell with him. If you keep, you know, like, trying to get the word out that the planet's exploding, which would have made me insane. I mean, like, <laughs> it's kind of like us as Christians, you know, it's like, we've got the knowledge that's going to save the world. Like we want to pe tell people about Jesus because they need to know this, you know, this is the ultimate in knowledge that's going to save them from themselves. That's going to save them from the lies of the enemy, from the ways that they've been trapped. And there are people out there who'd be like, I don't want to hear it. I don't believe you. You're wrong. Like that, that can't be true. I don't want to hear any of it. And as a matter of fact, like in the Bible, they would lock up, you know, like Paul and Peter for spreading this news and being like, stop trying to stir up the populace. You are just causing trouble. If you don't shut up, we're going to throw you in the cell. And if you still keep on, we're going to kill you. And that's what they did. And, you know, so it's just like that seems like it would make Jarrell a very bitter man, you know, or somebody full of anger or, you know, hatred against these people that won't let him help and stuff. But he doesn't show any of that. All that you see in the scene is just like a profound sadness. 
because he's literally done everything that he can think to do. He can't save himself. He can't save his wife. There's one thing that he can do, and that's save his son. And hopefully, in saving his son, he can save other people too through his son. You know, and so he's doing the one thing that he is able to do, that all he has left. He's put all of his energy, all of his time, you know, all of his resources into making this, you know, escape pod for his son to get away in. And he's sending him off with all of his hope. And I just, it's just such a beautiful scene. I just love it so much. Yeah. And if, uh, if you don't see the, the parallels between the father sending the son in this movie to the father sending the son in the Bible, then that's what we're here to show you and put a spotlight on to make sure you see it. (laughs) Our work here is done. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I mean, I loved what you said is, is he's sad. He's grieved over the people that rejected his counsel. Yeah. That refused to listen. And he sends his son as hope. He sends them to a people and his wife's like, but they're thousands of years behind us technologically. He's going to be isolated. He's going to be alone because he is so special and so unique. And we see that in in Clark as he grows up. And and the again the parallel to Jesus as he as he comes to earth sent from the father to do the father's work educated by the father full it's like what was it the the line I think was something like I will be in you like the father and the, the father becomes the son the son becomes the father almost something you will carry me inside you yes that that <laughs> yeah. union between the father and the son and along the way on the little starship thing as as he's floating around in the middle we see in the movie all these all the education all the teaching mm-hmm. all the knowledge that he's passing down you know the 30 days that he spent putting the knowledge into the crystals, you know, talking into the, the, you know, basically their, their version of tape recorders. Yeah. So that when he lands, he is full of knowledge. But as we've, as we've talked before, you know, we just talked about the, just a couple of weeks ago, we did return of the Jedi where Luke received his training, but he wasn't yet a Jedi. Yeah. That idea that Kalel, and it's weird. There's almost like three, Three different identities. There's Kalel, there's Superman, and there's Clark Kent. They're all they all have different motivations. They all have different desires. They all have different, you know, in some instances, fathers. But he he lands as, you know, like a five-year-old or something. Yeah, I'd say more like three, but yeah, you know, whatever. In the three to five range. He's still he's he's barely under he's barely he's out of being end. a toddler, but he's not yet yeah. in kindergarten. And, you know, he lands to, to a childless couple. And even Martha says, you know, this is, we've been praying for a child. And here one falls out of the sky. God answers prayer. Yeah. <laughs> Very much, again, just like Joseph. A buddy of mine, uh, his name's Whaler. He wrote this really interesting book called When God Was a Boy. Hmm. But it's written from Joseph's perspective when Jesus was 13. Well, that's cool. Like what that would look like, how that, what would it be like to be the father of the Messiah? And here we look at what would it be like to be the father of Superman? Yeah. To know he's got all these skills, to know he's got all these gifts, but to keep it under wraps, 
to know how how isolated he feels because he knows he could do things other people can't. But again, he can't share it. And he has this frustration, the the cheesy running by the train <laughs> thing, super weird looking. And, and, and his father kind of calls him out for showing off. Because on the one hand, he shows off because he wants to be seen. And on the other, he, he knows that he can't. But he asks a really interesting question. Clark does in this in this conversation that goes back to to our sense of purpose, our ideas about purpose. And I just I, I wanted to play this clip and then kind of dig into that as as Clark is discovering who he is, which is really one of his core questions he's going to have. I didn't mean to show off, Pa. It's just that. Guys like that, Brad, I just want to tear him apart. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know I shouldn't. Yeah, I know. You can do all these amazing things, and sometimes you think that you will just go bust unless you can tell people about it, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, every time I get the football, I can make a touchdown. <laughs> that's for sure. Every time. Yeah. I mean, is it showing off and somebody's doing the things he's capable of doing? Is, no. is a bird showing off when it flies? No. No, now, you listen to me. When you first came to us, we thought that people would come and take you away because when they found out, you know, the things you could do, and that worried us a lot. But then a man gets older and he thinks very differently and things get very clear. And there's one thing I do know, son, and that is you are here for a reason. I don't know whose reason, whatever the reason is, you know, maybe it's because... But I do know one thing. It's not to score touchdowns. Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Another beautiful scene. And I mean, oh my God. Again, with the cast in this movie, Glenn Ford. He just nailed it. Like, he, he, his presence in, you know, Clark's life, like, stayed with you throughout the movie. You know, like, it, it, it was great. It was really great. And this is a really... You know, it's a really sweet scene, um, especially because, you know, like, he drops dead, like, right after, you know, so it's, right. like, so, I mean, you know that this... Uh, Last bit of wisdom I ever got from him. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like, you know that, but again, it's like, you know that Clark's gonna remember that even more. I, I liked what he was saying about, you know, like, what we were talking about earlier is like, you know, yes, you can do all these things, but that doesn't mean that you should. You know, I mean, we're all born with talents. We're all born with abilities to do things that, you know, other people can't, you know, and, and you know, we're, we're very unique as individuals because God crafted us that way, which is amazing. Um, but with those talents and gifts that we have, it comes down to why are you using them? You know, like Clark. I really thought you were going to go with great power comes great responsibility. No. Sorry. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't do that one. Yeah. So we have these, these, you know, talents and abilities and gifts and stuff. And the question comes down is why do we use them? You know, like Clark was, Clark was showing off. You know, like he, he's like, oh, okay, you're going to like, you know, mess up all my hard work and drop all my stuff on the ground and make me look stupid in front of the girl that I like. Well, you can't kick a football into the stratosphere and you can't run, you know, a hundred miles an hour and, you know, like race you back to my house. So there, now who looks stupid? 
stupid, you know, and stuff, which I'm sure is kind of a lot of what he was feeling. And so we have to look like Clark had incredible, you know, gifts and abilities beyond obviously what the normal person has, but like, okay, I'm a writer. You know, that's one of my my gifts and my talents. And I have to look at why do I write? With When I write, I've got a voice and that voice is going to reach people and people, you know, are going to listen to what I have to say. Or maybe they won't. I don't know. But you know, some people will listen. <laughs> but so I have to be very careful about the words that are coming out of my mouth and the words that I'm putting down on paper. And are they, are they good? Are they quality words? Are they words that are going to, to, um, you know, be benevolent? Are they words that are, are, are not, they're not going to bring people down. They're not going to, um, be twisting the truth. You know, they're so not going to be disparaging. They're not going to be cruel. You know, they're not going to be cutting. You know, you have to have responsibility. Okay, I did say responsibility, but I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost you, like you with do. great power comes great responsibility. Shut up, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, but you do have to have responsibility for the gifts that God's given you. And He's God created you to do things with Him. You know, like he gave you specific abilities and talents because he wants to do those, you know, have the final product of those things be something that he does with you, you know, and, and if you try to do it on your own, it ends up just being striving and it ends up being what you want and what's going to make you look good and what's going to benefit you, you know, but when you're doing it with God, it's about what God wants to to get across and because he doesn't want just he wants good for us but he also wants good for everyone like he wants good for the world he wants truth for his people and stuff and so when we partner with him to 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 get that message across to 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 share our joy in the lord you know to to enjoy spending time with god and have other people see that you know, not even to just produce anything, to just enjoy spending time with God, then that's using those talents and giftings well in the way that they were meant to be used. Because otherwise, it just becomes a, a selfish and self-centered thing, which I think Clark could have, you know, very well, you know, ended up that way if he hadn't wound up with a good caring couple like the Kents and a good father like Jonathan to speak into his life, to give him wisdom. Yeah. And it's, it's something that we wrestle with you know, for, for being the creative types for being, putting stuff out there, but it can be anything. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I, Doing it so people will say, wow, you're really smart. Am I doing it to to fit in? Is Am I doing it to look wise or look good or look cool or or whatever? I, I love that question. Is it showing off for a bird to fly? Not to other birds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then the, the question, like, yes, you could score touchdown every time you caught the ball. But is that what God has given you your gift for? Yeah, exactly. We, we do a men's retreat and I'm, I've sort of over the years, I used to, to lead a session, you know, the hour long sort of presentation of transition more into a, like a MC type role. And somebody asked me, they said, well, why, why don't, why don't you do a session? And 
there's a part of it that's like, well, I could, I want to, but why am I doing that? Am I doing that because I want to achieve a certain status of, oh, I can do this, so let me do this. But I also know who I am and, and where my heart tends to go. And I was like, I actually know that that's sort of like kryptonite for me is look at me, look where I belong, look how smart I am. I have all the answers and that's a dangerous spot for who I am and how God made me because I can easily, like I know there's sometimes that I've wanted to call my wife because I felt lonely and wanted her to soothe my loneliness. It's like, I'm not, or my parents or my brother or friends. It's like, I really don't care about how you're doing. I just feel kind of lonely and I want to not feel lonely. So let me call you so you can help me feel better. <laughs> but I'll look like a good friend. Yeah, uh, yeah man, I'm just catching up with yeah, you. I wanted to see how you were doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How are you doing? And so, you, yeah, you, and you can make it all about them, but you're like, Haha, you're talking to me for an hour and a half and you're soothing my whatever inside. Um, Sarah, have you done the Enneagram before? I have not. I've heard a lot about it, but I have not done it. Like for me, I'm a four. And I'm just saying, because I think a lot of creatives are a four, which is sort of the romantic, they call it the romantic. They have this, this need to be special. So, and it's not really a personality test. It's like you read these things and it's like, which one do you know is true, but you wish it wasn't? <laughs> which description feels like, yeah, that's me and I hate it. <laughs> and it's this idea, like, I want to be seen as special, as unique, as different. And I mean, if I'm drafting a fantasy football team, I don't want to just go along with the stats. I don't want to go along with the draft order. I want to do something unique. I want to be, I want to, I will rather lose taking my shot than win following just the, the random general guidelines of the computer, say the rankings that says you should pick this guy because that's where I am. I need to be seen. I need to be recognized. That is sort of my desire. Just like in, in this, like, Clark saying, I can do this. I can, like, I could do this. It's like, yeah, that's great. But what is your purpose? What reason are you here for? I don't think it's to score touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> the bird doesn't fly to say, look at how good I am at flying. The bird's flying to build a nest. The bird's flying to get food. The bird's flying to, you know, do, I don't know what they do. I don't know why <laughs> birds fly. But that idea, like, what reason are we here? That question is a good question. And questions are good. And this is where we're transitioning to, to our last clip. Because, like you said, Sarah, immediately after dropping this, you know, gem of knowledge, Jonathan Kent drops dead. <laughs> and there's, there's another question. It's not really a question, but the, he Clark was asking a question as at the funeral where he yeah. says, with all the power I have, I couldn't save him. I yeah. couldn't rescue him. Again, 
what reason is it for? Why do I have this if I can't save the ones I care about the most? Yeah. And when we're wrestling with these questions, these big, deep questions, I, I, it feels like a, you know, a, a touch of the nose or whatever you call it, like obvious, super, you know, the needle drop concept of he has to go to the fortress of solitude and he has this calling and it doesn't make sense. And he, but he goes to the north, he goes to the Arctic, he throws the, the green crystal and it gr builds this fortress of solitude and he meets his father. But, but what I really love about this is what the invitation of his father was. You know, he spent 15 ish years, he's 18 now. He's about to spend 12 more years in this fortress of solitude. So he, again, kind of touch of the cap to the gospel. He's 30 when he mm -hmm. he starts his work. Yeah, they were saying, um, like in the Bible, you see Jesus at three ages. You see him when he's an infant, when he's, you know, like a, a young man, and when he's 30. And it's the same with Superman. You see him when he's a baby, when he's a young man, and when he's 30. And so he has this moment, probably very similar to, um, well, maybe not very similar, but it's sort of similar to, to when Jesus was baptized, where he hears the words of his father. His his, and really, it's an invitation from this father who's imbued all of his personality, all of who he is, is now available in this fortress of solitude. Yeah. And by the way, what a powerful concept that is. <laughs> that we can access the father in our own fortress of solitude in our times of choosing. Because for me, again, going back to, I need to be seen, I need to be unique. I need to be special. When I feel that motivation, when I'm feeling that desperate need, what I do to defeat it is go to solitude. I was like, I really feel like somebody needs to notice me. I'm going to choose to be alone with my father and that's what we see Clark do as he's up in in the Arctic and the really cool little scene there where where the fortress gets built. And then the floating head of Jarrell comes to speak to him to say, to sort of make sense of the stuff that he's been wondering about. Yeah. You do not remember me. I am Jorel. I'm your father. By now you will have reached your 18th year, as it is measured on Earth. By that reckoning, I will have been dead for many thousands of your years. The knowledge that I have matters physical and historic, I have given you fully on your voyage to your new home. These are important matters, to be sure, but still matters of mere fact. There are questions to be asked, and it is time for you to do so. Here in this, this fortress of solitude, we shall try to find the answers together. So, my son, speak. Who am I? It's so good because... I, first of all, 
like Clark has been kind of going through his life, you know, like he was saying, you know, like, oh, well, I'm not showing off. I can just do these things, you know, like I can run really fast and I'm super strong and stuff. And then he gets in the presence of his father and all of that means nothing. <laughs> it's like, like Clark is seriously humbled for like the first time in his life, you know, like everything, all of his amazing talents and cool things that he can do that nobody else can do all of that means nothing when he gets in front of his father and stuff and he's just you know so there's that and then there's also he's just so overwhelmed to be face to face with this father that he never knew his whole life and then he's finally here like he's finally here with him he can finally talk to him his father is inviting him into conversation, into relationship, to find out more about him. You know, he's saying, my son, I want you to know more about me. Let's talk together. Let's, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm opening myself up to you. Ask me whatever you want. I want you to know me more. I want you to know me better. You know, and the first thing that, I mean, I'm sure he probably had a million questions, but the first thing Clark has asked is, is who am I? And isn't that what we ask our father, you know, like, who, who am I? Because that, that is where our identity comes from, is from the father, you know, and he gives it to us. It's not something the world gave us. So the world can't take it away, you know, because it wasn't given to us by the world. It was given to us by the father. And yeah, he, we find our identity, our true identity, (laughs) you know, in, in him. And you know, he his what he speaks over us, what he speaks into our lives about ourselves is just complete truth, you know, and, and stuff. We are as he sees us, as he made us. And it, it's just, wow, it's such a good scene. <laughs> it's funny, like I was, that's not one of my favorites, like really, like the, the one at the beginning where he's sending him off as a blessing, that's probably one of my favorites. But it's thinking about it now, just like listening to it as you played it, I was like, wow, that's really good, you know? And it, it's just such a great example of what God invites us into, you know, a, a father-child relationship you know, it's like, come find out more about me. I want to tell you more about yourself. I want you to know how I feel about you. I want you to know how I see you. I want to tell you things about yourself that you have never known, but I know because I'm your father and I've known you since the moment you were born. So I want to tell you all that stuff that you don't know, you know, uh, wonderful things about yourself, you know, and again, it's also, it's also humbling because you might think that you're really amazing and capable yeah. and can do all this really cool stuff and then you get in front of god and it means crap <laughs> it's like you've got like well nothing. who do you think gave that to you <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah and how much more powerful is he it's like oh you can leap tall buildings in a single bound that's great you know <laughs> yeah that doesn't mean anything <laughs> yeah and i like you said i think that's a beautiful place for us to start i had a buddy of mine who had a big blow up situation at work. He wasn't sure how it went. And I told him he was, he was driving home and I'm like, well, I think at some point you need to go to the father and ask for his interpretation of the events. Yeah. Because he's like, I feel like God would be disappointed in me. Mm. 
And because I know him, it's like, I think you're putting your father's interpretation on your events, your earthly father. Yeah. Like, there's a reason he called me and not his dad. Because he's like, I know what my dad would say. He would be disappointed. Yeah. And that's not what he needed. He needed somebody, one, to vent. Because he's like, this craziness just happened. I don't know what to do with it. And he's basically processing. Our tendency is to take our experience and use our experience to determine our our identity. Mm-hmm. And what the really cool thing is, and what I think God offers us, is I'm sure you have questions. Yeah. Ask them. And let's figure out the answers. Yes, together. Let's find the yes. answers together. Yeah. <laughs> That's so and the, good. And, he, and Clark asked the best one, who am I? Yeah. <laughs> the ultimate question. Right. <laughs> and that's the best thing. And and what is what did God say to Jesus when he got baptized? This is my son, my beloved son, with whom I'm pleased. We don't know anything about the first 30 years of Jesus' life. Yep. But whatever it is, whoever he is, we know that the Father delights in him and is pleased with him. If the spirit and the person of Jesus dwells in us and leaks out of us, like glows out of us is the picture I have in my head, then what God said about Jesus, he'll say about us. Yeah, yep. And our questions are important. Yeah, no, I agree. Because God's not, God's not afraid of our questions. Right. Look, look at the Psalms. Yes. Yeah. There's, God's not afraid of the question. Just as important as the questions is where are we taking our questions? Yeah. Are we taking them to our friends? Like there's a tendency when, when I'm having a, there's something going on. This happened like last week. I was like, I want to call my brother. Like I got this issue happened. I was like, I want to call my brother. I want to call, I want to call somebody who can be like, oh, poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> poor baby. I want sympathy. You're right. I was like, somebody <laughs> tell me I'm right. <laughs> You're right. You should be pissed off about that. <laughs> commiserate with me. <laughs> exactly. I want somebody to commiserate with. But all that does is just sort of wallow, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and what what does our father do but invite us into a fortress of solitude, a place where we're safe, a place where we find wisdom, mm-hmm. protection, nourishment, and the answers to the questions that we most desperately want answered. Yeah. You know, he he uses those alone times too to remind us of the boundaries. You know, like, it's forbidden for you to interfere in human history. Like, you can do all of this stuff, and you can do amazing things, but don't forget, you know, like, you've got to use it within these parameters, or it's not going to go the way you want it to. It's not going to go well for you. I mean, I don't know. I get Maybe that doesn't make sense, because I guess it sort of did for Superman. (laughs) Yeah, I had an issue with that, because of, like, isn't rescuing the president from Air Force One getting hit by lightning, isn't that interfering in history? Sort of, yeah. Not as dramatically, obviously, as turning the world backwards to save Lois. Yeah. But 
Yeah, but no, no. again, it goes back to that idea for the reason. What what reason was he there for? What what was his purpose? And both of those questions get answered first with what's my identity? Who am I? And that's why I loved the the first part of the movie was so it it connected with me in a in a in a way that the rest of the movie didn't quite mm-hmm. because it spoke to these deep issues of of his initiation, of his preparation, of his identity. And the rest of the movie was built off of that foundation of who he was. Yeah. Based on his father's and his experiences. Because when Lois dies in the earthquake, that is a buildup of he has lost two fathers. He has lived a life of isolation. Mm-hmm. And when the one person who who knew his true self, because we don't even have time to talk about the idea that Clark Kent is actually his false self yeah. and Superman is his true identity. But we have Lois who knows his true self and loves the true self. Mm-hmm. And now she's dead. It's like the one person of his whole life who's known him. Yeah. Then he does react with, with great power. <laughs> well, with, with great emotion for sure. And <laughs> <laughs> with yeah. great emotion comes great reaction. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds like a fortune cookie. That's so funny. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, I kind of like playing off that a little bit too. I was going to say the first time, like after we have those alone times with the father where, you know, we're in the fortress of solitude, we're finding out more about ourselves. You know, we're, we're, we're learning our own identity from him. And then he sends us out and we can walk in confidence in who we are and what we can do because the very next big scene after that is when he's saving Lois from falling off the side of the building and catching the helicopter he's walking in confidence he's able to do those things that he's able to do in front of everybody because he's using his powers in the right way you know and he's not doing it to show off he's doing it to help people and stuff and i think that yeah. that's why that's my other favorite scene when he's saving Lois when she's falling. And I remember when I first saw the movie, when I was a little kid, you know, watching it on TV, being really scared, really scared during that scene. Because it's like, if you're a little kid, that's a very intense scene, you know? And I, honest to God, was afraid that she was going to die. You know, she's falling off a <laughs> building. Hey, I was seven, yeah. all right? She was falling. No, no, that's, that's <laughs> you go back and this speaks to that, that magic of seeing a movie for the first time. Yeah. When you've seen like two or three movies, it's different when you've seen 500 yeah. movies and you watch it, you're like, oh, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. When you're like, this is the first time I've ever seen anything like this. It hits way different. Oh yeah, but so I'm watching this and I'm and and then like you know it, she's she's holding on and she's holding on and she's losing her grip and then she falls and I remember being like, oh my god, she's gonna die and stuff. And then Superman like changes into his outfit and flies up and catches her. And first of all, what an epic reveal that was. Talk about a slow burn, man. He doesn't reveal himself as Superman until like an hour and 15 minutes into the movie. <laughs> so that's why it's just In the so revolving in- door that he had problems using just 15 minutes earlier. I know. And the pimp, you know, it's like, hey, Jim, that's a badass. <laughs> 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 so, but, but what an epic reveal, man. And it's like, you've got John Williams' score and it's just like, dun, da, da. And then you're like, wow, 
this he is amazing like that was kind of what else i got into in my notes you know it's like he flies up he saves her and this woman who's like a stone cold you know hard-nosed reporter not phased by anything is like a weepy mess because she almost died and then she doesn't know what to do with this big strong man that's just saved her life and like how does he approach her he calls himself a friend you know like he's not trying to get he likes lois sure but he's not trying to get anything from her you know he wants to he wants to be her friend you know and yeah. and i love i love that because you know again that's how jesus comes to us you know we may think that we're on top of the situation mm. and we're in control and you know like everything is great the way that we want it and stuff and then something comes along and shakes us up and we don't know how to handle it and it like rips down all of those carefully controlled places that we've built in our lives you know stuff like you know when my mother died you know like that that was a huge like breaking down of of my life because i had you know like we always spent holidays together and there were certain things that we did and stuff and then when she was gone all of that was gone too and i had to learn how to mm. do those things without her you know and and jesus had to <laughs> come alongside me and and hold me up you know and and be my strength you know to to as i found new ways to to do that and stuff but so so being able to be it, it just it was such a wonderful picture to me watching this movie after I became a Christian of what Jesus wants to be to us. He wants to be our friend. He wants to be somebody that we can be vulnerable with and know that he's a safe person to do that. We can trust him. You know, like he doesn't, he doesn't lie. He is a, a, a moral person for, I don't know, lack of a better word. I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, obviously he's much more than that, but, you know, I'm just trying to think of Superman in my head, but, you know, Superman is somebody that Lois can trust. And I have the feeling that maybe she hasn't had a whole lot of that in her life. You know, like she hasn't let herself trust people. She hasn't let herself get vulnerable with people, you know, and now she's with this man who's big and strong and wants to be there for her, wants to be a support, wants to be a strength in her life. And she doesn't really know what to do with that, you know? And so when they go off, you know, flying together and that, you know, beautiful sequence and stuff, it, it, it shows how she's kind of learning how to trust him and that he can be trusted and it's okay to trust him, you know, and, and that he's, he's going to keep her safe. And even when it looks like she's falling, you know, like he's going to be there to catch her and be like, it's all right. I've got you. You're okay. You know, and stuff. You don't have to be afraid when you're with me. Yeah. And uh, I, I love that too. We see Clark because remember after they go flying, Clark shows up for a date yes! <laughs> and he's ready to say he wants to share who he is mm -hmm. because what he can do becomes less important than who he is. Yeah. Remember his first question, even his dad is like, you've, I'm sure, discovered things you can do. That's just sort of the tip of the iceberg. But his first question is who I am. And what does he really want to share with Lois? The truth of who he is. I mean, that's our, our, our own deepest longing and deepest craving is to be known and to be accepted. Yeah. I meet with some guys every Tuesday night. And we're, we're going through this study. Uh, it's called A Year with Men from the people at Wild at Heart. Nice. 
and we're at the stage, we're at the the section where we go around and every each week a different person shares their story. And it's like over a course of an hour, there's a lot of guidelines and how to give your story, how to receive your story, the, someone else's story. And so I got to give my story to these guys who I've known for 10 years or so. But to sit down and be like, hey, this is my story. And to not be afraid that they were like, oh my gosh, really? You did that? That, you know, to, to sort of say, hey, this is... This is who I am, the good and the bad, the the ugly and the the beautiful. Yeah. And to say, hey, and to be known and to say, yeah, now you know, now you know why I respond like this because my life has been, you know, I've I've moved like 20 something times in wow. my life. You know, I I've got a, a there's a pattern and a theme of everybody leaves. So, when I feel abandoned, I react a certain way. But to know, hey, this is this is the reason behind my responses and my reactions. And we see that with with Clark, where he does have this this desire to be known, but this I think is fear of will what will they think? You know, what will how will how will Lois react? How will Jimmy react? Yeah. But to be able to say, no, this is to offer himself without needing the Without needing the recognition. Yeah. You know, as as an 18-year-old, he wanted to be cheered for as he's running down to score a touchdown. Yeah. Now, he doesn't need to be thanked for saving Lois's life by catching a bullet. <laughs> yeah, that and that's where, that's where I want to grow to, <laughs> where I can do things without needing the re- recognition. I'm not there yet. <laughs> yeah. I still have a lot of questions to ask in my fortress of solitude. Yeah, same, same, <laughs> same. There's actually, an, talking about identities, um, there's another great scene, which you probably didn't see because it's a deleted scene, but um, it's after he's, you know, saved. How would I have seen it? It's been deleted. Shut up. <laughs> it's in the direct it's in the director's cut so i don't know if which version you watched but um anyways it's it's at the fortress of solitude and it's after he saved lois and you know with the helicopter and the president and all of that and he comes back to the fortress of solitude and he's kind of embarrassed and and he's kind of like yeah i i did all that in front of everybody and his father's like well you know, okay, you're revealed to the world. It's okay to feel good and excited about that because you did, you know, you did good things. You know, it's it's fine. He says, but you still need to keep your secret identity. And Superman's like, well, why? And he's like, because if you don't, you know, like he gives a couple of reasons. Like, you know, if people knew who you were, then they'd hurt the ones you love and stuff like that. And he goes, right. but the more important one is he says, but if people knew you, you'd be called on 24 hours a day for everything, even the things that people could do themselves, they'd be asking mm. you for help and stuff. So you need to keep your secret identity and, you know, work where you're most needed and stuff, which I thought was like, I was like, wow, that's, that's a really good point. Because how often do people ask for help or push things off on things that they are totally capable of doing? They just don't want to deal with, you know, or, don't feel like they can handle. That's the superhero trope, right? Yeah, pretty much. Where it's like you you, you basically have a bunch of sheep that just lay around <laughs> waiting for the sheepdogs to come and save them. Yeah. 
So Sarah, any, any last thoughts? The only other thing that I'd like to say is I think one of the things that just, um, always drew me to the character of Superman over say like, you know, Batman and other superheroes is that he's a good man. You know, like a lot of, I think what's really hip with like superhero franchises now is mm-hmm. to make them all dark, you know, and make them the anti-hero, yeah, make the them, flawed yeah, hero. make them yeah. flawed and stuff like that. And they're supposed to be really cool. And that makes it okay when they, you know, like, you know, kill. You think you're better than me? <laughs> you know, like when they kill, when they, you know, kill the bad guys and stuff, it's supposed to like justify that because, you know, they're bad guys and he's dark and it's, you know, it's okay. But Superman is a good man, you know, and he's mm-hmm. like, he says it, he's here to fight for truth and justice in the American way. He never lies. You know, it's like, which I think is actually kind of an oxymoron because he spends the entire movie lying. <laughs> It's like, like he's lying about, you know, who he is. And- he doesn't lie. <laughs> he just, again, going back to the, the return of the Jedi, <laughs> it, it it's all depending on your point of view. <laughs> From a certain point of view, yes. From a certain point of view, I guess what he's saying is so. truthful. I guess so. But um, if she says, are you, if she asked Clark Kent, are you Superman? I'm sure he would respond with an, he would not respond, no, I'm not. He would be like, oh, come on, Lois, that's crazy. <laughs> exactly, which I'm pretty sure we see in Superman Yeah, too. yeah, you see it a few times, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I do, I do like that because he's a man of honor, you know? Like, he's somebody that you know that you can trust. And I think I just was always drawn more to that, that lightness rather than, like, the darkness of, you know, say, Batman and stuff, so... Well, Sarah, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for for coming on and talking about Superman. It's been swell. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. I feel comfortable using that word. So this has been Paul McDonald and (laughs) and Sarah Daniels talking about Superman the movie. Have a happy and safe 4th of July weekend. And hope you guys join us next time here on the Men at the Movies podcast. Something inside has been awakened. I can no longer be who I was before. But if I am no longer who I was, who am I to be? (laughs) 